Hey, so uh, again, happy Father's Day. And uh, today is also uh, Shema Sunday when we recognize our kids and especially those who are, are in the midst of uh, transitions from one significant uh, schooling age to another. And so Cam and I are kind of tag teaming today as well. So hi, Cam. Hello. Hello. Uh, so uh, now those of you, if, if you've been around for one of these Shema Sundays before and or Father's Day, they fall at the same time. Uh, but usually we start like with a dad joke battle or like last year, Cameron was just becoming a dad. And so Doug and I had some whimsical sort of words for him. But today it seemed kind of appropriate. So Cameron has been a dad now for a year and just barely. 13 months. 13 months. Today. Excellent. Good, good work. Good work, Cam. So um, uh, Cam's going to share a, a couple of things from his first year of being a dad. A few pictures, a couple of highlights for you all. And, uh, and I'll, I'll throw this into the mix as you get started. Uh, for, for Doug and myself, so Mondays is a staff meeting for the three of us. And, uh, and young Andrew has been part of staff meetings for the last year. And so every Monday, we get to, for a couple hours, watch Cameron be a parent. As, as we do our thing together. And it's so much fun. Andrew's adorable. Like, he's, he's a comedy show in and of himself. He's fantastic. But watching Cameron be a dad is fabulous. And uh, I'll, uh, I've said before, I'll say again, one of the best decisions we've ever made as a church, one of the most pivotal decisions, was hiring Cameron to be our, uh, our pastor for our kids and our youth. And it's just enhanced that much more. Seven years today. Is it? Seven years today. I didn't even know. In honor of that, let's have donuts after service. Okay. Okay. Done. All right. Done. All right. Share pictures. Okay. So my top five moments from this year as a dad, and I included a little sixth if you can see it up behind me, but this is from Andrew's first birthday party. It was Hobbit themed because he is our little Hobbit. So we are all dressed as Hobbits kind of uh, going Samwise and uh, uh, Rosie. There you go. I was trying to remember the name Rosie, and then obviously Andrew is Frodo. He has a little uh, little hood and the little uh, leaf button. But that was a super fun moment. But first, and these are in no particular order, but um, first laugh. This is the first time Andrew laughed. And as a parent, um, when they smile or when they laugh up to this point, it's usually because of gas or indigestion or something. This was like the first moment that he saw his reflection and was just cracking up, giggling. I, I loved it. It warmed my heart. Um, before we go to the next slide, the next slide is a video. And um, this is kind of what I'm entailing fandom. So. <laughs> He made this Chewbacca sound. And in his Chewbacca onesie. So um, he has plenty of fandoms. My sister, who loves Harry Potter, also did the whole, like, which house are you in? I think he's either going to be a Ravenclaw or a uh, Gryffindor. But just fandoms in general. He is going to share um, uh, the, my, the fandoms of my wife and I, just because that's how things go. Uh, 
Next one is a good old-fashioned bath pick, and I thought that this was going to be a good picture to show because this shows the uh, relationship between my son and our cat, my, my other daughter, N- Nessie Cat. And uh, she's very curious about him, and he loves her. And now one of his favorite things to do is chase her up our stairs. So um, she just runs and goes bush cat, bush bush cat, where, you know, and he just loves it and loves chasing her. The uh, the next pick is uh, the first time he crawled, and I was able, lucky enough, to catch this before I traveled to Florida for a denomination conference back in G- January. Excuse me, um, but he would do this army crawl where uh, you had to get something that he really wanted, and um, he would he would crawl, and he did an army crawl for months before he really learned to crawl on all fours. But uh, super proud moment as a father. It's one of those markers and milestones of them growing up and developing. And finally, the last one, and this is probably one of the best, is just his dedication at church. Caitlin and I were super, super um, just appreciative of all of you guys and um, grateful for the opportunity to bless him and dedicate him here back in December uh, with Tim. So those are my top five moments of being a new dad with that extra sixth moment uh, as well. So thank you so much for letting me share all of those moments with you. I'm sure if you are a father, you have have these moments in your mind from the first year or beyond. Um, and for those who aren't, I'm sure that your father might have a lot of these memories in their minds as well. But those are my top five moments. Thank you so much for letting me share those with you. But let me transition, and we're not transitioning a lot because today, as Tim said, is Shema Sunday. And we're going to talk about what that word means, Shema, but basically it's this passage in the Bible that talks about how we need to instill our faith in our kids. One of the most incredible things is you parents are the greatest spiritual influencers in our children's lives. And so we want to take a moment, we want to take a week, every, every year, We have this thing called Shema Sunday, and we are going to focus on our kids and our youth, sharing with you our vision, sharing with you what we want for our kids and youth, encouraging not just the parents in the room, not just the students in the room, but everybody else who, yes, can be one of those spiritual influencers. But really, um, across the board, it's always been this way, parents are the biggest spiritual influencers in your children's lives. Whether you think so or not, whether they think so or not, you have a say in their spiritual life. And so we want to take a moment and encourage you and share with you and um, spur you on towards love and good deeds, as it says. So that's what this morning is all about. It's all about our kids and our students and also noting specific transitions. So this is the week that all of our kids are moving up into the next grade. And so we want to especially uh, highlight those um, very significant transitions from elementary school and fifth grade into uh, middle school and sixth grade. So that transition is one that we want to mark and show as like a root marker for 
we want them to be able to look back and say, this is how far I've come. This is how much I've learned. Uh, another transition is from middle school into high school, eighth grade into ninth grade. This is the marker. They've been in student life maybe for two or three years, and we want them to be able to look back and say, this is how much I've grown and matured, not just physically or socially, but also spiritually as well. And then finally, that transition from 12th grade into college or beyond. And so we want to note these specific transitions and encourage not just the parents, but also the students as well. So that's what this morning is all about. Well, this morning, as, uh, as we do that, um, I want to kind of couch this in the context of our overall vision as a church. Uh, so when we talk about why we're here, we, this is a restating that we do of Matthew 28 and the, the charge that Jesus gives to his disciples. The way that we conceptualize our vision and what we are here to accomplish is that we are to be and make disciples in authentic community for the good of the world in the presence and power of Jesus. That is, our task is to be followers of Jesus, to apprentice ourselves to him, to learn what it means to live the kind of life that he would live if he was the one that was living our lives. And as we do that, we're transformed more and more into the likeness of Jesus. This is something we do in community. It doesn't happen alone. We're doing this together as a family of faith. And we're not doing it just for us, but for the world around us. The scriptures teach us that God loves the world so much that he gave his son to die for the world. And so that's our purpose, is to live out that mission on earth. And Jesus promises that we don't do that alone. We do that in his presence and in his power. And friends, this doesn't just apply to those of us who are adults. This does apply to our kids as well. And when we think about what it means to teach our children about the faith, we want to have that in mind. Uh, you'll all, I think, know what I mean by this, but there's sort of a, a very American version of churchianity that really doesn't involve much apprenticeship to Jesus and really doesn't involve much community and really doesn't involve much mission. Uh, it's, it's a Christianity in name only. And so we want to think about, when we, we talk about what it means to bring our kids up in the Lord, we want to have that robust picture of faith. We want to have that larger vision of this is what it means to follow Jesus. And so that's the context in which we bring up our kids. This is not just also for our parents, but for singles, for married people, for people without kids, for grandparents. It's all of us collectively as a church working towards encouraging not just our kids or our students, but each other towards Jesus, towards this discipleship. Um, this, this journey of discipleship that, Tim, you were talking about. It's, um, think about it like this. I, I had um, our denomination youth uh, conference person, his name was Matt Alsath. He was, uh, t- I was talking to him about instilling this faith in our, in our youth. And um, he described it like planting a tree. And we are planting a tree, right, in our kids, in our youth. Trees don't just sprout fruit automatically. Even if they're, you buy them from Costco and they already look like they're a tree, like they still don't sprout fruit for at least two or three years. You have to cultivate it, right? You have to tend to it. You have to water it. You have to feed it, right? It's not just this easy thing, but it's something that takes a lot of work. And after years of cultivating, doing that hard work, that's when you start to see the fruit, What's really fascinating, actually, about junior high ministry specifically is junior high ministry is where all of this work takes place. And if you're at this large church where there's only junior high ministry and you 
are only with junior high like people, and, and you don't really see them beyond high school, you miss some of this fruit, some of the, the hard work that you've been doing, right? And so this vision of planting a tree, we are planting a tree not so that we get the benefit, not so that we see the benefit, but so that your kids see the benefit and their kids see the benefit and their kids see the benefit and the fruit and the shade from this tree as it continues to grow and grow. It's this beautiful picture where we are doing the hard work of bringing up this tree so that not we get the benefit, but so that future generations get the benefit. That's what we're trying to do. That's what it means to instill this legacy of faith, which is what this morning is all about. Playing the long game, as it were. So we want, with that in mind, we want to recognize our students. So we have four students transitioning from fifth grade into sixth grade. We have eight students transitioning from from eighth grade into ninth grade. And we have one student who is graduating high school. And I would love to introduce you to them, but I'm going to let them introduce themselves to you through a video. So watch. Hi, my name is Sadie Funk, and um, I'm going to a middle school in San Pedro. Some of my favorite hobbies are gymnastics, singing, swimming, and dancing. Hi, my name is Jefferson Hagman. I'm going into the sixth grade at PVIS, which stands for Palos Verdes Intermediate School. My favorite hobby is playing video games, specifically Nintendo. And my favorite thing about church is hanging out in the big kids' room. Hi, my name is Ami Elnieri. I'm an incoming ninth grader and I'm going to be attending HTPA in the fall which is on the Harvard College campus, and my favorite hobby is designing clothes. Hi, my name is Layla Varnell, and I will be attending Torrance High. My favorite hobby to do is cheer. Hello, my name is Joey Viana, and in the fall, I will be attending Prestige School. My favorite hobby is to play soccer, and my favorite thing about church is to hang out with all my friends. Thank you, and goodbye. Hi, my name is Josh Viana, and I'm going to attend Prestige School in Mozambique, Africa, and my favorite hobby is soccer, and my favorite thing about church is hanging out with all my friends. My name is Abby Mori, and I just graduated from Ambassador High School. Uh, in the fall, I will be going to El Camino College, and my favorite hobby is to crochet. One thing that I learned about God these past four years of my life would be that He always has a plan, and even when it doesn't feel like it, um, I have to trust Him because His timing is always better than ours, and He knows what He's doing, and He's there for me. Thank you so much. It is such a blessing just to be able to see these students grow up. And I wanted to make sure that we were 
I was reaching out to the right, making sure that I had the right grades. And I looked back at 2020 when all of these eighth graders were sixth graders. And to see them having grown up from where they were to now is just incredible. I can't wait to see this video four years from now where they are graduating seniors. It's just incredible. we got great kids. Uh, so as we talk about our kids coming to faith, uh, we want to see our kids not just uh, make a decision to receive Christ into their life, though of course uh, that's critical for us, but that's really just the beginning. We want to see them develop a love relationship with Jesus where they're really walking with him. Uh, the challenge in this, as, uh, as all of you will know, and maybe especially the parents will know, so our kids are their own people, and uh, they have their own will. If there is a recipe by which we could just kind of add the ingredients and make all this happen, we most certainly would. Uh, but uh, it's something that our, our kids need to choose and choose freely. So the question for us as parents and as a church family becomes, how do we help them in that? How can we best guide them along the path in such a way that they'll develop a robust love for Jesus and for his people? Uh, there's a, a group called the Fuller Youth Institute at Fuller Seminary, <clears throat> and they have uh, this thing that they call the Sticky Faith Project. They've been doing this now for almost 20 years, and it's a research project around the question of what is it that helps kids stay in the faith as they grow up. So this is, this is one of those stats that just kind of hits you in the gut, but it's, it's a truth that we have to really reckon with, is that somewhere between 50 and 70% of all kids who grew up in the church, who go to youth group, all that, when they graduate out and go to college or beyond, 50 to 70% of them don't stay in the faith. Uh, so the question that we have to ask and that, that Fuller's been so great about asking is, well, for those kids for, uh, who do really stick, what is it that makes the difference for them? What is it in their lives uh, that allows faith to really stick? And they've, uh, they've been doing this research and over the years, they've come to these four factors that are really critical in the lives of our kids and our youth. <clears throat> and I want to emphasize here, there's, uh, there's no silver bullet. There's no one thing. <clears throat> there's uh, no one thing. Uh, but there are these four factors that as they study, they've found these things show up consistently in those kids who go on to have a robust faith in Christ as adults too. So uh, our, our ministry to our kids and youth are really built around these. So I, uh, we're going to share these with you. I want to frame them though in terms of Deuteronomy chapter 6. And uh, this is the passage from where we get this whole idea, Shema. So uh, I'll begin us here in verse 1. It says, these are the commands, the decrees, and the laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them. Remember our tree, yes? Your children, their children after them, may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Now just pause there for a moment. And let's just note here uh, the statement that the blessing of God follows our obedience. That as we commit ourselves to him and to his ways, that his blessing follows. And it's a blessing 
that extends through multiple generations. Uh, You might remember here the statement of Jesus where he says that I come that they might have life and have it to the full or have it more abundantly. This is the path that we are invited onto and that we want to invite our kids onto. Now, uh, this next section, this is a prayer that faithful Jews would pray every day, and it's called the Shema. It goes like this, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Impress them. Remember that word, impress. Right? The idea here is, uh, and kind of the, the language here, it would be used at that time when, say, a, a king takes his, his signet ring and presses it into the wax on a document to seal that document. Or if you're taking and you're stamping a piece of metal or a piece of wood, you're impressing an image into that. And that's the image here behind this language of Shema. Impress these on your children. How do we do that? Well, uh, again, we're getting a little help here from, uh, from Fuller Youth Institute, and these are the four factors that they say are most important in helping our kids into a lifelong faith. The first thing is modeling. As a new parent, I am seeing this um, in real time, essentially. So I can snap my fingers, and I see my son working through it, and he, he does this. He does this. He's trying to snap his fingers. doesn't know how. But... Seeing us snap our fingers, he's trying to work out how to do it. My wife would, you know, is trying to teach him, reading him books, and the cow says moo, and he wants to look at our mouth and see how moo, he, see how we are making that sound. This idea of modeling, it goes beyond just that as a baby. That as they get into adulthood, as they get into adolescence, they are looking at what their parents are doing. The other really cool thing is a lot of times, sometimes, um, your children will get into things that you got into but didn't really teach them about. For example, when I was in high school, I did wrestling. I didn't know that my dad did wrestling when he was in high school until after I told him, hey, I want to join the wrestling team, right? And so this subconscious almost idea of your kids are looking at you. They are going to be interested in things that you are interested in. Which is why this idea of setting, of loving the Lord your God with all your heart first is the first thing. Is you as a parent need to be modeling this. You can't expect your children to capture something if you haven't caught it yourself. So this idea of modeling, you get what you are. Right? We want to help parents live a robust faith so that they can pass it on to their kids. It's Again, it's that modeling. You get what you are. So looking back at the Shema, uh, starting with verse 7, talking about that impress word. Impress them, these commandments, on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. This idea that you are bringing this life of faith into every aspect of your life as a family. 
You are talking about them as you are on the road, as you are driving, maybe even in traffic. You are talking about them as you go, as you go to church, as you go to school, as you go to soccer or whatever else, right? You are talking about them at the dinner table. You are talking about them not at the dinner table. You are talking about God and faith all the time. This idea of modeling is important. Again, you get what you are. You can't expect your children to um, capture something, to be something that you are not, that you haven't caught yourself. So that is one of the most important things is for you to have a life of faith yourself so that you can instill that life of faith into your children. Uh, The second factor is family worship. Uh, So uh, Fuller Youth Institute says there is no silver bullet, but they said the closest thing that there is is family worship. And by this, uh, they don't mean a a kid's worship service. What they mean is kids worshiping with the adults, seeing, and again, this goes back to the modeling, but having an idea of what it looks like for adults to live out their faith. One aspect of that is the way you're living out your faith at home. But another aspect is what it looks like when the church gathers to worship and for them to start drinking that in at an early age. So uh, maybe for some of you who are older than me, it's like, well, duh. Of course, this is what we would do with with our kids. They would be in church. When I was a kid, uh, the the dominant philosophy at that time and, and I think for a bit before me and certainly going forward after me was we need age-appropriate education primarily. And so as, as a youth, it was all about kind of pizza parties and, you know, you're in your own silo and da-da-da, doing the youth thing. And we need that too. But without incorporating into that a regular picture of what adult faith looks like, what they've discovered is kids have a really hard time transitioning into adult faith. Uh, that youth group environment at some point goes away. And what happens then? Uh, And so they say one of the best things that we can do, one of the the things that shows up in the research again and again is having kids worshiping with the adults. So the way that this plays out here at Life is three Sundays a month, we have age-appropriate stuff for the kids, right? Uh, All the kids start the service and they end the service in here, but then they go to a Sunday school class, our youth go to youth group. Uh, We do that three times a week. But one Sunday a month, we have all the kids in here. And we worship together. And uh, for, for some of you as, as parents, or probably for all of you as parents, there are going to be uh, points in your children's life where that is not their favorite. Uh, there's going to be points where it goes perfectly well, and there's, there's going to be other points where they're like, no, I'm not feeling it. And so there's a challenge in this. Uh, there's, there's some work to be done on the part of parents and some work to be done on the part of the church to accommodate the presence of kids with us too. But we see it as really critical. If we want our kids to have a faith that lasts through their entire life and that they can pass on to their kids, we see family worship as a really crucial aspect of this. Another aspect, a third aspect, is serving. And serving, not just serving, but serving together, right? It's, it's that difference between in, in the kids' uh, Sunday school class, you can teach with words, and here we teach with words. But this is teaching with experience, teaching with um, both gathering together and doing something 
maybe difficult, maybe not, but you're serving. You're doing something for somebody else. So we used to do um, family promise. We used to do homeless dinners, right? And Tim gave a great vision last week about we want to do that again. We want to get back into those things now that um, we have kind of moved beyond that pandemic, moved beyond that um, that time when we couldn't do those things. But really, we want to move into that because serving is so important. And not just serving ourselves, but bringing the kids with us, right? There were times when um, there would be groups that would go over to do the homeless dinners where they were so appreciative that the kids were coming along, not just watching their parents serve, but actually rolling up their sleeves and serving alongside of their parents. It's this picture of we are doing this as a family. This isn't something that I do or that, that another thing with youth ministry is, um, especially older, um, older people like in, in Tim's day and age, is you, well, yes, but it's, you are not the church of now, you are the church of the future, right? And what we're realizing with this Fuller Youth Institute is you are the church of now. Our youth are the church of now. Our kids are the church of now. It's not the church of later. So we want to be teaching them these things. We want to teach them how to serve and why we serve and what it means to serve. So not just those, um, those previous aspects, but, um, it warms my heart to see youth on the soundboard. We have at least one youth on the soundboard once a month. We see youth up here and playing musical instruments and helping to serve the church. We specifically pick out youth and kids to read Bible passages at times, and we, we want to move more into that, right? And part of this is all because we are trying to find ways that we can serve alongside each other. Serving is good alongside each other. It's one of these four factors that, um, that kind of help faith stick. One more of these that uh, is true both of my day and age and also of camps. Um, That's true. <laughs> that was fully appropriate. I love everything about that, my day and age. Um, but uh, five to one. Five to one. So, uh, so back in the day in youth ministry, they used to say that, that the recipe you need is you need one adult for every five kids, one to five. Uh, the Sticky Faith Project has kind of flipped that on its head and says, actually, we need five adults for every one kid. And that doesn't mean we've got five adults in the room when we're in a Sunday school class or whatever, but it means that we've got five adults who are praying and investing in every child in this church, every youth in this church. And for you as parents, this is one of those things to really be thinking through and praying through. Who are my five? Who are those people that I am able to invite into my children's lives, to be those, those aunties, those uncles, to be those older brothers, those older sisters, to be those extra grandparents, as it were, but to, to have a team, to have a team around you as you are raising your kids, people who are praying people who are there to help celebrate milestones, people who are there to, uh, for you to lean on as a parent when you need to lean. And I, gosh, I can tell you how many times for us we've, we've gone to our five uh, just with tears and been like, we just need your prayers because we don't know where to go right now. We're stuck. Will you help us in this? And just having people to pray us through and having folks for our kids. You know, it's... it's really beautiful seeing Abby graduate from high school and, 
and all these sort of aunties and uncles and extra grandparents, folks who have been part of that five, coming around her and celebrating her, and she's able to see it now and to kind of understand more who those people have been and really appreciate it. It's, it's a beautiful thing, and it's something that's really essential. It takes a little work on our behalf as parents to, to find these folks and ask them, hey, can you come alongside us in this? Uh, but it's beautiful, and it's essential, and it's, it's part of what contributes to this sticky faith that we are looking to instill in our kids here. So, so there's, our, there's our four friends. There's uh, uh, these four factors and, uh, and a taste of Deuteronomy and what it looks like to impress these on our kids. Uh, let me kick it to Cam. We're, uh, part of our response together this morning is, is making a covenant. And this is a covenant that's for our kids, but also for us as a church as we go about the work of raising these kids together. What is a covenant? A covenant is a promise. It's this binding promise that we make with God. Um, Other covenants that we see in our culture today, the biggest one being marriage, right? We see marriage as this covenant, this um, promise that you are making, but it's so much stronger than a promise. It's this through thick and thin, no matter what, full of grace, we are going to stick with it and stick together as a family. That's what a covenant is, is this binding thing that binds us all together in the presence of God that we make with God. Well, and as, uh, as we do this, um, we've got some commitments for, uh, for our kids and youth and then commitments for our adults as well. And I'll, I'll read these for you. And if you want to respond as I read these with an I will give me a thumbs up, what have you, but um, if we can start with our kids and students. So uh, I know some of you are in the room today, kids and students that are in the room, can I have you stand as I read this for us? Students too. Students, yes. <laughs> what did I say? You, you said students, but I'm oh. looking at some of the students oh, in the room, all right. and they're like, are you talking about me? We I don't could know. Be. We could be. <laughs> all right. Well, this is the, the covenant I would invite you to today, friends. You've reached an important milestone in your lives and also in your faith. As you enter adolescence, you begin a process of making your faith your own and not just an extension of your parents' faith. As you continue to grow, your faith and how you live it is going to have more to do with the choices you make to live close to God. So friends, do you promise to continue on this journey you have begun, seeking after God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Do you promise to be open to the moving of God's Holy Spirit in your life, and of his holy word as it shapes your values. And as you come to understand what it means to follow Jesus, we pray that you will commit your life to him, placing your faith in him as Savior and Lord, and acknowledging this faith in baptism and obedience to Jesus' teachings. Uh, Friends, will you live in this? Thumbs Thumbs up up or okay. All right. And uh, adults, can we have you stand too? It's the parents' turn. This is young and old, parents and non-parents, married and single. Friends, you have been an important part of these young people's lives on their journey of faith. Yet in many ways, their most challenging days are still ahead. Church, will you as the family of faith recommit yourselves to walking with these young people as they journey toward adulthood? Will you seek to live as an example of godliness for them? Will you pray for them and invest yourselves in their continued growth in their journey with Christ. If so, please say I will. We will. Thumbs up. 
Amen. You guys can sit. In this journey, we don't just have people, but we have tools. And so we have a gift for all of those specific transitions, fifth grade into sixth grade. We have a Bible and a journal. And they're significant within our denomination. Our denomination, we are fond of asking two questions. Where is it written and how goes your walk? Where is it written being, where in the Bible is this written? As you are talking, as you are explaining things, as you are teaching things, where is it in the Bible? And so we have a study Bible for all of our fifth into sixth graders um, so that as they are continuing and starting, continuing this journey to make the faith their own, they have a Bible so they they can know where it is written. And I've started to highlight some of my favorite verses, but I would encourage our, uh, our students, not just those who are re- receiving the Bible today, but all of our students to be highlighting verses, to um, really highlight verses that are important to you at, so that as you are flipping through the Bible, you can find them easily so that you can maybe commit them to memory. Uh, we also have a journal because our denomination is fond of saying, how goes your walk? And so this journal is for students to be taking notes during lessons, during sermons, to um, journal maybe, but just to kind of record and have a written record of how is your walk going? How are you doing in your relationship with Jesus? Uh, For those going from eighth grade into ninth grade, we have two books that I have selected. Two, uh, these two books are on the screen behind me, I think, but um, they are two of my favorite books. So one is called Practicing the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. I had the pleasure of reading this for the first time when I was in high school. Uh, my small group leader gave this to me and had me read it. And it's this book that a monk wrote all about developing this life of prayer. And my small group leader was telling me kind of the spirit of this book is when he was my small group leader, when he was a uh, high schooler and college, um, college student, he w- worked at a grocery store, and he'd be stocking oranges. And during that time while he's stocking oranges, he developed this um, prayer life where he'd be praying to God in a conversational way in his head as he's stacking oranges, right? It's not just this bow your heads, close your eyes, I can only do this before meals or at church, but it's this constant life of um, conversating with God, dialoguing with God throughout your whole day. And so that's what that book is about. I love it. The other book is uh, it's called Do Hard Things by two twin brothers, uh, Alex and Brett Harris. And it's all about this. Um, it's written, they wrote it when they were, I think, 19. So it's by students, for students, um, kind of explaining the bar uh, for students is so low and they want to help other students, encourage other students to raise that bar, to do hard things, not just the easy things, not just nothing, but actually do hard things, do good things, right? And sometimes those things are going to be hard, but just because those are hard doesn't mean we should shy away from doing them. Again, you youth are the church of now. You can do this. You can raise the bar. You can do hard things. We finally have a gift for our graduating senior, and Tim's going to explain what those two books are about. Uh, right. These, so these are books we give to our graduating seniors. This year it's, it's one senior, and she happens to live in my house. Uh, but uh, two books that we give them as, as they head to college are Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. Uh, this, is a, this is a great starting place uh, to wrestle with those questions that are going to be posed by a lot of their professors and peers on college campuses. 
uh, as they, uh, they move into this next phase of life. And it's, it's a great place to, uh, to start or continue developing your intellectual development as a believer as well. Uh, the second book is called Calling by Mark Laberton. And uh, this is a book about one's calling. Uh, it's a book about beginning to discover how has God made me and how might I best live out his purposes for me in the world. Well, uh, that said, let me... Um, uh, we're both going, who's next in the notes? Um, well, friends, as, as we respond in worship, uh, we're, we're going to receive communion in a moment, and uh, we're going to sing our praises to God as well. Uh, but as we do that, uh, communion is, is such a, a fitting part of a worship service like this, where we're talking about what it means to be a family of faith, uh, what it means to come together uh, as nuclear families, but also as, as those who are here as single people, those who are here who maybe have already raised kids, those who have never had kids. But for all of us as a family of faith to come together around the body and blood of Jesus and to remember what he's done for us and how we might collectively impress that on our children. Uh, communion. Uh, we take communion every week in part because it is such a potent reminder of the gospel that when we come together, we are able to remember the love and grace of Jesus Christ and we are able to participate that in sort of an embodied, tactile way. Uh, as we do that, uh, we pray and we ask that God might meet us in our confession of sins. And let's make this our prayer together as we prepare to come to the communion table. We pray, most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. And friends, to this confession of sin, we add the assurance of pardon. That for those who have received Christ as their Savior, there is no doubt that your sin has been forgiven. You come to the communion table each week as one who is asking for mercy, but also knowing that Christ has already provided that mercy for us. The table reminds us of that truth. And the table of Jesus is for anyone who wants what Jesus offers. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he blessed it. He broke it, and he offered it to his disciples, saying, this is my body given for you. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup, and he blessed it, and he shared it with his disciples, saying, this is my blood poured out for you, poured out for the forgiveness of sins. And he invites us to partake in it together. Uh, as we respond in worship, I want to invite you to receive communion if you wish. Uh, if you'd like to take a piece of the bread and dip it in the cup, I invite you to line up on the side of me over to my left uh, and to come forward and partake. We have gluten-free elements as well on the side. Uh, if you prefer a prepackaged communion cup, then we'll be serving you on the right if, uh, if you would prefer that. But let me invite you to stand 
as we continue to respond in worship. And as we do, we'd invite you, uh, we'd invite you to receive prayer as well in the back corner to my right. But let's pray together.